Hello and welcome to the 18th episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, joined again by Josh Slimer. Crum, I think it's going to be a great 4th of July weekend. And let's just say that this race is sure to give us fireworks. Oh, I see what you did there. It was, it was such low-hanging fruit I had to get. Uh, understandable. Um, well, yeah, so we, we've got doubleheaders everywhere. After the doubleheader at Pocono, there's a doubleheader in F1 that I didn't even realize until this week. Um, and we had some bad luck this weekend. I ended up coming out of it better than I expected, but um, it, it didn't go as planned on Sunday. Let's just say that. No, it uh, did not. Yeah. Before we get into the meat of the show here, uh, just got to say one, one thing that was a big news item from this week um, is the fact that Trackhouse Racing, so brand new team in the Cup Series, is basically buying out uh, Chip Ganassi and his NASCAR team. Um, so basically the, the one in the 42 car. And as I understand it, they're going to basically have a two-car operation next year. So basically they're going to be the two cars. I don't expect to, there to be a 99 car unless they can change the number in an easy way. I don't know. Um, so basically what this means is Daniel Suarez will be in on that new team still, and they'll add a second driver. Um, and I assume that second driver will probably be Ross Chastain just because he's sort of the young up-and-comer already on that team. Um, and it doesn't sound like they really want to break that team apart necessarily um, based on how, like what Chip Ganassi said about selling it and everything. So my impression is Suarez and Ross Chastain, that's not guaranteed by any means, though. Could be they want somebody from Xfinity to come up and race one of them. Not too sure. Um, but big news um, at the start of Silly Season. Plenty more news to come. Uh, and then just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at iRaceWeGamble, where we'll probably have some updates to our lineups um, for Sunday after we see the results of qualifying. And if you have any feedback or questions you want to email us, uh, you can do that at iRaceWeGamble at gmail.com. So follow us on Twitter, iRaceWeGamble, email us, iRaceWeGamble at gmail. All right, uh, let's get into some iRacing stuff that happened in the past week before we jump into f1 and nascar um the main event for the the firecracker 400 went off this week with a with a really really great race um i was surprised that there weren't wasn't as crash filled as some of the prelims that i was in uh, but i guess that's what happens when you have some of the, the fastest and best drivers make it to that main event um a lot of really long green flag runs in the beginning um most of the wrecks were guys sort of jockeying for position on old tires, getting ready to make pit stops. So we never got green flag pit stops, but um, still a lot of like green flag racing and good racing to watch. Um, and there was also a couple issues with some of the lap cars because of the way that the 1987 rules work. There is no lucky dog or wave around for a lap car. So if you're a lap down, the only way to get your lap back is to stay ahead of the leaders when a caution comes out. Um, so... If you're a lap down, you're trying to race against the leaders, and the leaders are like, hey, get out of here, you're a lap down. Um, so it, it can cause some uh, tension between the drivers, uh, and there was definitely some of that. Um, and then the, the racing at the end was super intense. Um, started to get a lot more crashes, obviously, as people were willing to give less room to everybody else. And then uh, Michael Cozy Jr. was the winner in a really wild last lap where... I didn't know who was going to win because they almost wrecked on the restart and then they made it around and almost 
started wrecking again on the back straightaway as they tried to, you know, jockey for position. And Cozy was just lucky enough to be in the right spot to to make it through without uh, sustaining too much damage and um, rode off into the sunset and got the win. Uh, Dale Jr. finished fourth. So that was kind of cool to see him up front at the end of that race as well. Um, broadcast was great, all that stuff. So, Josh, I, I, I sort of uh, made you watch the ending to that race. What, what did you think? Pandemonium, if I'm <laughs> summing it up in just one word. Yeah. Um, it was wild. It was, uh, you know, two guys who shot out to the front and then the pack caught them and some aggressive blocking strategy that just didn't pay off for anybody. Yeah. It, honestly, it reminds me of the Daytona 500 in real life where people make blocks that are not going to work because it's the Daytona 500 and they're trying to win and causes wrecks. But uh, that's part of it, I guess. Um, also, there was the Firecracker 200, which was basically like uh, uh, anyone who didn't make the main event out of the sort of top 88 that got to that point were in the Firecracker 200. They sort of did just like a kind of a goofy broadcast with uh, a few known names in the, I guess I'll call it the iRacing community. Um, it was funny, entertaining, pretty good race. If you missed it, uh, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, enjoyable. And I noticed, I don't know if they did this on purpose or not, but iRacing's, uh, you know, official series for the 1987 cars, like, that you can run every couple hours, um, they're at Daytona as well. So they kind of synced up with when the Firecracker was running, which I thought was cool. Um, but I can give one piece of advice for that, and it's don't miss a shift on the restart, because no one's expecting you to miss a shift, and when you do, they run you over and you crash. So that that was my experience with those cars. I haven't had good luck in them lately, so um, hopefully next week I can try my luck again. Um, and then some other stuff I've run this week. Uh, I did trucks at Chicagoland. They're super fun. If you haven't tried them yet, I would highly recommend it. Um, and then I tried doing Road America. I tried a few practice laps earlier in the week and was just like, man, this is really hard. I don't know if it's, I should bother and then I thought, you know, I'll do one of those NIS races that's sort of longer, allows me to sort of get into a rhythm. Maybe that'll work for me. And I have other cars to kind of judge off of. And I, I, I was rough in the beginning, but I was sort of working my way into the top 10, just not making too many mistakes. And then a few just different incidents happened where I just I had the car too off course, got too much damage. It just didn't end well. Um, but it was it was fun to sort of try the challenge of it at it's an incredibly difficult track. Um, that's all I can really say. But uh, let's move on from that and talk a little bit about F1. Um, they were in Austria last week. They're going to be back yet again, just like the Pocono doubleheader. We've got one in F1. Um, I will say the two main things I noticed last week, at least regarding my lineup, were uh, Pierre Gasly and George Russell got super unlucky. They both qualified really well. Both looked like good picks after qualifying. But Gasly had contact with Leclerc on the first lap and kind of got run over after that and just had a suspension issue, couldn't finish. And then George Russell was running really well. looked like he could get a top 10, which would be great for that team. And he ended up having a mechanical issue and not finishing the race. So tough days for them. Um, I was also surprised that Ferrari was pretty strong. I mean, it wasn't a street circuit, and I didn't expect them to really be very good, but they did pretty well. And then the biggest 
thing I noticed among teammates was that Lando Norris was like really, really strong all race, finished, I think, fifth. And Daniel Ricciardo was nowhere to be found. He was in the back. Same team as Lando, but disappointing day from him. And that's unfortunate because I know he's a Bills Mafia fan. <laughs> I'd like to see him do better. Um, hopefully he figures it out this week after you know having a full race in the car. Um, and at this point, I think it's pretty official that Red Bull is the team to beat. Um, they were faster than Mercedes last week. They were faster this week in qualifying. It's it looks like they are have the upper hand and they're ahead in the points. So expect more of that more of that from them. Hopefully we've got some Red Bull shares. Certainly helps. Um, and then this week I I have a lot of Red Bull shares and the two guys that I sort of picked as backmarkers looked good. They just got unlucky. Um, specifically George Russell qualified in uh, Q3, which is basically like the top ten. Um, which was the first time that Williams has had a car in the top 10 qualifying in like three years. So impressive from him um, to get that car that far up. Hopefully that translates into race pace and they can get a points finish. Um, and then if, if you chose to go with Ferrari after last week, I wouldn't hate that decision. I think they're probably a little too pricey for my taste. And I think Red Bull's the sweet spot for value and um, potential, but that's just me. Josh, you didn't make any lineup changes either, right? I did not make any lineup changes. I'm hoping that the bad luck uh, for Vettel and Gasly last week corrects itself. And uh, pretty good qualifying for me so far with the two Red Bull guys um, yeah. and, and Norris at the top of my lineup. So Yeah, you've got the top three already, right? Yep. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it runs. Hopefully well. Um, but yeah, moving on from F1, we're going to talk about Pocono last week. Now, we already talked about the first Pocono race, um, and how crazy that was, and the fact that Kyle Larson found his way into the wall before he found his way to the checkered flag. Uh, and this week, uh, it was not tire issues, it was fuel. Lots of fuel saving going on to try to make it to the end of that one. Uh, Josh, I think that was probably your first time seeing a proper fuel mileage race. What, what were your thoughts on it? I loved it. Um, it brought strategy into the race and made it seem like, you know, we weren't just running out and it was a car, you know, every 15 laps there was a caution. Then there was a stage break. And then we need an extra set of commercials in, so somebody throw a Gatorade bottle onto the track so we can get a caution. Um, I really, I really liked it. I like seeing all the different pit strategies. Guys staying out for a lot longer than maybe they should have. Uh, just watching how the leaders in the pack were running like a mile, like a second and a half slower per lap than the guys behind them. Um, I'm thinking about Harvick, who had more than enough gas to get through, uh, and just kind of how that whole thing worked out. And then, uh, you know, even with with Kyle having to make that one extra stop to try to figure out how to hold his gear shift into place, um, may have ended up being the reason why he had a little bit more fuel to burn down the stretch than other guys who had pitted at roughly the same time as him. 
Yeah. So it was cool. It added an extra element to the race that I appreciated. Yeah. I, I think that was probably the best version of a fuel mileage race you can get. It's, it's not quite as fun if it's um, maybe like three guys can definitely make it and the rest of the field has to pit. So someone who's like 20th all day ends up winning and you're like, well, I don't know if they deserve that win. But with this, I felt like you really had to play the strategy right. You really had to do a lot of work to get the, the fuel savings out of the car. So it, it felt satisfying to watch to me, too. Beyond that, I, you mentioned some of the strategy. I, I kind of looked at it in an interesting way, and in there were sort of a few different things going on. There was the guys trying to save fuel. There's about two packs of them. And then there was a bunch of guys that you referenced, uh, like Kevin Harvick or Alex Bowman or Brad Kozlowski. Kozlowski did a little bit different, but it, in all those cases, those drivers were trying to run as fast as they can and know they had to make a quick pit stop for a little bit of fuel um, to basically make up for the fact that all the other people were trying to save fuel by going slower. Um, and that strategy worked better than I expected, I think better than you expected, too. Um, but especially, especially in terms of Kozlowski for me. Yeah, he stayed out the longest and it didn't look smart, but it worked out. Um, and yeah, I, I was surprised. So there was the front pack with, um, who was it? Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch. And Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch were the only two from that group to make it all the way on fuel. I wasn't too surprised the one didn't make it, but I was a little surprised the 11 didn't, considering how close he was to Kyle Busch with the fuel and everything else. But um, as they pointed out on the broadcast, I guess Kyle Busch put it a lap later, and he was only using fourth gear, so he definitely wasn't at high RPMs leaving pit road or getting around the track. Um, but yeah, Josh, I, I showed you a picture, and I'll tweet it out when the podcast goes up, um, of Kyle Busch and where he was on the final restart of that race. Um, he was well behind the pack. I, I don't know how, like in my, the, I was so excited for that win. I, I just have to say, because I didn't think it was possible at, at the time of that final restart for Kyle Busch to do well at all. I was like, oh, he's behind the pack. He's got literally no shot. And the fact that the fuel saving and the way that the pack got jumbled up by all the contact in the beginning, if you remember, it was like Christopher Bell and Gross Chastain. And then uh christopher bell and well, who was it uh chase elliott they all they, all four of those or all three of those guys got damaged um towards the beginning of that that run and ruined their days but uh kyle bush just managing to save and save and save and finally get there at the end i was i was shocked and very very pleased with that especially since he was my lock something you brought up the competition cautions um and the fact that there's you know in the all-star race or anything else a lot of stopping and starting, but with qualifying, they don't, or with practice too, they don't um, have the competition cautions because essentially the competition caution is supposed to be like, all right, that was your practice. Whatever the first 10 laps or 15 laps of the race was, that was your practice session. Now you can get ready to actually go race. But you, you, you think they'd be better off without doing competition cautions at all? Absolutely. <laughs> um... I, I really just, I don't think I can stress it enough. The race becomes so much better without that stop. <clears throat> just from Saturday to Sunday, taking that one stop out made it so that guys weren't able to run down pit road and get a quick top off of fuel while everybody's doing the same thing, make a quick adjustment, 
come out and then they're running this two you know this two pit stop fuel strategy for the rest of the race um it seems like it gives it more uh uh there's a very specific word i'm looking for and it's escaping me not diversity to the race but um parity yes yes there's there it allows for a lot more parity and a lot more um you know differentiation between strategies from one crew to the next and even within teams running different strategies throughout the race um i'm hoping that when we get to the 2022 season we're completely back to normal and teams are budgeting everything that way and we have practice and qualifying each week so that we can just scrap these competition cautions altogether but we'll see we'll see what happens because i feel like some of these teams might be just fine with it because of the money that they can save yeah clint boyer was on a dale jr's podcast uh recently and they were talking about the no practice thing and Boyer likes not having practice. They weren't talking about the competition, competition caution aspect of it though. Um, but he said he likes when they don't have practice because it feels like they get more, like a more surprising guys up front and stuff like that. But he mentioned with the next gen car coming next year, he expects them to have practice every week um, because like this year they're doing practice at tracks they haven't been to. Well, next year they're going to be in a car they've never been in, so it yeah. feels like feels like that's enough reason to practice. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's probably enough, right? Yeah. So hopefully they they do practice sessions, and that means no competition cautions. Yep i uh, I just like I just like the racing. I feel I feel like I've made made it pretty clear that I'm not even really a big fan of the stages either. But yep. That's where we're at, and I get it. It's a safety thing, and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> speaking of safety, though, what is, what's going on with my boy Chastain? Because he keeps having these really, really good showings, and then it almost seems like he just does something stupid. Is he, is he too aggressive to keep putting in my lineup, Crumb? Huh. I don't know. I almost think like a part of me wants to believe this will allow him to like learn his lesson this past week and maybe he'll he'll rein it in a little or he'll get some coaching that says, hey, take what the car is giving you. Don't try to get too much out of it and end up, you know, wrecking our day, basically. Um, So I'd like to believe he's learned from it, but you probably have to wait and see. Um, He's definitely not a safe play right now. I think. He's a, he's a potential differentiator because I think he could scare some people off, so maybe in tournaments he's a good play. But for 50-50, where you're just trying to get top half, um, I think it's a little iffy to go with him. Um, but I don't hate him overall. I think you know he has a few weeks where he seems like he's maybe got it back under control, not, not trying to overdo it. Then maybe you start slotting him in your uh, lineups more often. Yeah, so I don't I don't want to jump the gun too much, but if you were looking at a Ross Chastain or an Austin Dillon, would you maybe lean toward Austin Dillon just to Yeah. Just for the for the floor? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, we'll talk about it this week in terms of practice times. I think Ross is faster, at least this week. Um, so he, he probably provides a higher ceiling. But to your point, I think Austin Dillon is the better floor. Um, and also, Ross Chastain is more expensive than Austin Dillon. Yeah, which is odd. They weren't off by much, though. Uh, Chastain, 107.979 average speed, and Dillon was 107.831. Okay, yeah. Well, all right. So that's, even, that's better than I thought he did. Yeah, and they um, both ran. Uh, Austin Dillon ran fourteen or three more practice laps. He ran fourteen laps today. Yeah, and they were both fastest on lap eight. That's funny. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I guess if I was picking between the two of them, I'd probably go Austin Dillon this week, especially in cash. I'm fine with tournament do do something a little different, but uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to to come up with the right lineup for those guys uh, or picking between them. Crumb, was it this week that you texted me that Harvick went over to Chastain after the race? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's, uh, you know, I would, I personally would love to see some Harvick mentorship to Chastain. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it. I'm, I'm very close to announcing that Chastain's going to be the guy next in line for me. Yeah, you got to have that driver in waiting. For uh for NASCAR because your your favorite driver will retire at some point. And and Harvick's getting up there. Yep, he's probably got at least a few more years, but after that, and also he'd probably start like the Jimmy Johnson that we saw last year was not the Jimmy Johnson we saw in his prime. Um, so who knows what Harvick looks like in the next few years? Yep. Um, but speaking of lineups that are tough to create or tough to decide on. Um, how are you going about picking a lineup that involves more than one Hendrick driver? Because I know we've talked about every week almost got to have a Hendrick lineup or got to have guys from Hendrick in your lineup. What are you What are you doing to pick a lineup if you're trying to include those Hendrick drivers that have been so strong? So I still think you have to have two in your lineup. Um, and I think one of them has to be Larson. Fair. So if we're talking just Hendrick's, you're putting Larson in. He's likely going to be the most expensive driver on the docket week in and week out right now. Yeah. So you know you're going to be at 1400 Then, after that, speaking in generalities, I'm probably, because I'm taking the most expensive, more often than not, I'm throwing Alex Bowman into my lineup. Mm. Um, because he's the least expensive. Generally, typically yeah. of the Hendricks drivers. And because I have Larson up there, I want to save a little bit there. Yeah. Um, on these, you know, on these uh, races where we're getting practices and qualifying and, and seeing how they're running a little bit before the race, I would probably lean toward whoever qualifies uh, furthest back in the field to get mm-hmm. place to get place differential um so that would be a way to get Byron or or Chase Elliott the bump um all that being said this week if i'm starting my lineup with two Hendricks drivers i'm doing everything in my power to start with the 5 and the 9 Red it's going to make the rest of your lineup tough this week i'm doing it because Chase Elliott is the king of road courses right now um, he's fourteen five and Larson's fourteen, so you've got half your budget gone 
right off the bat with those two drivers. And you're going to have to get a little bit creative uh, going down the line there with them. But if the, if there was ever a week to start with the two most expensive Hendricks, I think this is the week. Um, on the road course, I give a little bit of a nod to Byron over Bowman, though. So if you, let's say you didn't want to take Larson and Chase, since it is a road course, I'm fine with you picking either one of them if you do want to differentiate and fade Larson a little bit this week. But I would probably pair Byron with the one or the other of them this week. I just think he's shown a little bit more on the road courses than Bowman so far this year. But I think at the end of the day, you you just have to have two Hendricks in your lineup, and if you're not doing it, you're putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage. Um you know, even even with the idea of going Chase and Larson together this uh, this week because it is the road course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Um, there is one other road course guy though that you can sneak up into there, and that's Truex. We know that Truex is another guy who does really, really well on these road courses. However, since the first quarter of the season, where is he bat? That is a great question. Um, I feel like we've only really... I mean, he, he has more race wins than you'd think, right? I think he has three, if I'm, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, I think so, yeah. Don't hold me to that, but he's close to it. And to your point about like Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson being the sort of road course guys that you want, um, real quick, I, I pulled up driver averages for road courses in general, since obviously these guys haven't raced at Road America yet. Um, and Chase Elliott is first with, an, with a rating of 125. Truex is second at 116.1. Larson is third at 104.9. And Kyle Busch is fourth at 94.8. The funny thing about Kyle Busch is he's... Uh, 24th in average finish, whereas somebody like Truex is third in average finish. So Truex actually gets the finishes out of his uh, good performances at road course. And so I think you can start him this week, but the, the fact that he's been such a ghost lately, the past like five, six races, it feels like um, outside of Sonoma, which, you know, he he's, that's like his specialty, I guess I should say. Um, and this track should have a decent amount of similarities to Sonoma. Um, honestly, I think, it reminds me of Sonoma combined with Watkins Glen because it has some really long straightaways similar to Watkins Glen, but it has a lot of tight technical corners with low grip um, that make it similar to someplace like Sonoma. Um, although Truex in practice only 19th, so maybe, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hesitant about Truex at all right now. Um, I don't think I have him in any lineups. If you're going to put him in your lineup, I would say make it a tournament play. It's probably a decent differentiator, but maybe I'm wrong because he's pretty expensive. So, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, but at this point, and this is always way too early to say because, you know, we saw how good Truex was early and Penske looked pretty strong. And then now Hendrick looks like the best team, the dominant team. But if I was picking my final four right now for who makes the championship race, Based on what we've seen so far this year, I think it's got to be the five for obvious reasons. And then I got to go Kyle Busch with the sort of upswing in momentum he's had lately. 
it, being in the top five, being the one guy who seems to be able to challenge the Hendrick drivers. Um, and then Denny Hamlin, I think, is the third one because I think he hasn't performed as good as Kyle Busch, but he hasn't fallen as far back as Truex. And we saw the consistency from him early in the season. I think he's going to continue that. He still, I think, has the points lead over sure. Larson. He sure does. Which is crazy to think, considering how well Larson has done. Um, I kind of get really points to how consistent Hamlin has been, despite not having a win. I think he'll get a couple over the summer. Um, and then as the fourth driver in there, I think William Byron. Uh, to your point, um, I think he has shown up as the best Hendrick driver outside of Kyle Larson, if we're not at a road course. And there's one road course in the playoffs, which is not enough to carry Chase Elliott to the final four. I could be dead wrong. Maybe Chase Elliott turns it on late in the season like he did last year. And who knows if Hendrick stays this strong. But um, that's kind of my hot take for the for the summer months here now that we're in the hot season. Um, I think those are your four drivers in the final four. And if I get it right, I will take all the credit in the world. And if I get it wrong, we'll just never speak of this again. I like it. The only thing that I think is going to spoil it is at some point uh, Penske is going to sneak somebody in there. And if they really have been focusing so much more on the 750s and that's what the playoff stretch is looking like, they're going to sneak the 2 or the 22 into that final four. Yeah, I would I would put my money on the twenty two if I had to pick. Uh, yeah, I agree. Is a potential swap. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. It'll take a while before we get that far. Another what twenty weeks or so. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about Pocono again. Uh, the ideal lineup from that race. Um, Kyle Busch with his crazy day ends up finishing first. Still led thirty laps somehow because his car was really good early in the race. Um, and Brad Keselowski was the second best bet. He also led 31 laps, kind of based on that fuel strategy of staying out for as long as he could. Um, so that worked in his favor if you had him in your lineup anyway. And he was at 10.5, which is a great price for Keselowski right now. Um, I feel like he had been underperforming. So if you if you made him your differentiator, you did well there. Uh, Alex Bowman repeats his Saturday performance. Um, didn't look nearly as strong. Had some potential brake issues early, but uh, brought it home fourth with a good strategy call at the end. Um, and then your boy Harvick makes the idea lineup, finishing uh, in fourth. Uh, when I said Bowman was fourth, I meant fourth in points. Finishes seventh overall in the race. Uh, but yeah, Harvick finished fourth, was the fifth best play. Um, didn't leave any laps, but just had a really solid, consistent day. Started a little bit toward the back uh, with the invert and everything. Um, so that worked out if you, if you threw Harvick in a lineup. And then your buy low for the week, which I wouldn't have predicted in a million years after how much he disappointed me in Nashville, <laughs> um, was Ryan Priest finishing eighth, gained 15 spots, sixth best driver to have on the board, only 4.5 thousand. Um, really, I, I, I chalk it up to strategy. Um, I wouldn't rely on him on a week to week basis at all, but impressive showing out of them. Um, Got to give him credit. So, my lock was in the ideal lineup, hooray. But I didn't expect it halfway through that race. I was I was convinced I had a terrible lock and my lineups were trash. But Kyle Busch was my lock and he paid off finally at the end, um, as we've already talked about. I ended up $7.78 to the good in FanDuel, but I did throw together a $5 cash lineup on DraftKings that did not do so well. Um, so I lost a little bit of money there. But as far as FanDuel goes, I had a pretty good week, uh, which I was not expecting. 
Um, Josh, you have the you have the twenty four as your lock. Did that go in your favor? Uh, be determined, I suppose. <laughs> um, he didn't really kill me. Um, no. my lineups all got crushed by the forty two. Yeah. Um, just getting too aggressive, and I think he finished like thirty third or something like that. So I was negative money on the day. Um, but I will say the one lineup that I did hit, and I alluded to this a little bit on the uh, the pod uh, going into Sunday, was that it was going to be okay to have Larson out of your lineups for Sunday. Turns you look out, right for half that race. Turns out he's not in the ideal lineup. Yeah. And my one lineup that did cash out was the lineup that I built without him in it. Yeah, something to be said for not always going with the obvious pick, I guess. Differentiate a little bit and just there was something about the fact that he was going to the backup car. I wasn't too too keen on what he was gonna do. I mean he still made my, my main tournament lineup, but the fifty fifty where I got rid of him it ended up working out. Yeah, I think um, the strategy play worked out totally in his favor because he didn't lead any laps. Um, and he, he only got credit for starting, what, 10th or? Uh, 20th, right? No, no, 12th because he crashed. In oh, finished. right, right, right. Finished yeah. ninth, yeah. Right, so he didn't get the starting spot he would have liked. He didn't lead any laps and he had to come from the back. And I feel like if you you know, ignore the fact that they had the right strategy call and finished well. Um, he had he had sort of the same problem Chase Elliott had on Saturday where he got damaged early and then really wasn't much of a factor. He, they kind of ruined his day until he uh, had the right strategy play at the end. So, yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, the, I, I was shocked we went through that ID lineup. I was shocked I didn't get any buy lows correct in that ID lineup. To be fair, I had the second and third best buy low uh, for my cash and tournament plays with the three and the 23. The 23 far exceeded expectations. He finished fifth, which I would never would have seen coming. I would have been happy if he finished top 10. Um, so really cool to see Bubba have a good day. Uh, Austin Dillon, solid, finishes 13th, good enough. Um, kind of... It, I, I, it worked out exactly as I hoped, which was uh, Bubba. It was a good tournament play because he was a differentiator, I'm sure. Um, and he got a good enough finish to make it a good lineup. And Austin Dillon was safe, safe play. So to your point about Chastain, it really holds true because uh, to your point, Ch- Chastain was the guy you had as your buy low. And it would have been a better ceiling for sure. He had a really good shot at a top five, I think. Um, but just, yeah, late restart. A little too aggressive with Christopher Bell. They get into into the wall a little bit and ruins his day, fortunately. Yeah, it happens. Yep. It's part of racing. Um, but yeah, the, as I mentioned in the ideal lineup, the best value play was Priest, shockingly enough, followed by Bubba in the 23, and then Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, DiBenedetto, Newman, Corey LaJoy had a decent day, Cole Custer has a decent day, Suarez did okay. Uh, and then it kind of it falls off from there. Um, and then if you were trying to steer clear of anyone, the guys to steer clear from were the 20 and the 9, both who looked good uh, <laughs> until that last restart where the 9 gave the 20 the lead with his little fake to pit road and then 
fouled that up by driving into him off the corner and ruining both their days even more than they already were. Um, so that was rough. And then the 19 and the 11 just didn't save enough fuel to make their strategies work out. Um, so they were they were people you had to steer clear of for sure. And at, as I just mentioned, the 20 and the 9 had restart problems, and that kind of threw our number of into a, a bit of a weird state since those were the two guys we were looking at. Um, so we're not even going to bother with that. But let's let's move on to Road America. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the Xfinity race on my other screen here. There's 20 to go. And Kyle Busch is in fourth. So after being top two in practice, wrecking his car in practice, he is now looking for third place in Xfinity with 20 to go. So just a little update there for the Xfinity race if you're watching, even though you're not listening live. Um, But yeah, this, this will be the first time the Cup cars have gone. The Xfinity cars have done this for quite a few years now. And so this will be the first time since I think the 50s for the Cup cars. Um, so we've got, like we've already alluded to, we've got practice that we've been looking at, got qualifying tomorrow morning where we might make some adjustments to our lineup. Um, and one weird, odd thing, I guess, that we don't really know how it's going to work out is guys like Kyle Busch who are going to a backup car because they wreck their primary car, I think will start at the back regardless of where they qualify. Um, but in terms of FanDuel, I don't know if that means that their qualifying time is invalid so like they'll get credit for starting in the back or I don't know if they're going to not really put much effort into qualifying considering it won't mean anything for them. So that might make anyone going to a backup car already a potentially really good play for tomorrow. So keep, keep that in mind. Pay attention to qualifying Sunday morning before you uh, lock in any lineups. And uh, we'll update people on Twitter per usual. Um, and then... Worth pointing out, uh, some of the guys racing today in the Xfinity race are also racing tomorrow, and they're kind of the road course specialists you'd expect with Almondinger and Sindrick. Uh, we already made mention of the fact that Kyle Busch is in this race today, so that's not going to hurt him. Um, and then you've got Kyle Tilly in the 78 and I think Ryan Eversley in the 53. So not really expecting much out of those guys, but maybe if, you're, if you want to get a really expensive lineup and you want someone really cheap to throw in at the end, uh, maybe Tilly or Eversley is your guy. Um, but in my opinion, I, I would stay away from those guys. Josh, we're going right. to dive right in because I want to know off the top, who's your lock this week? You want me to go first? I do. My lock is the 18. Damn it. <laughs> I was afraid of that. <laughs> I gave you the chance. Oh, I know. I, as soon as you <laughs> offered, I was like, I know what he's picking. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's just on a roll right now. He's good on the road. And uh, proved that he can win a race with only fourth gear. I agree. He will not be able to do that this week. He only has fourth no. gear. <laughs> he will not make it around that road course in any good amount of time. No, if he only has fourth gear this week, they're going to take him off the track. Yeah, he'll be done. <laughs> um, I think because Larson wasn't in the ideal lineup both uh, races this past weekend, I'm going to allow myself to pick him as my lock. Is that illegal? Or... No, that's fine. He's not the most expensive on the FanDuel docket. so That's true. I, I expected him to be. We had a, a quick text conversation about it. Uh, leading up to this week, and real quick to distract everyone from this podcast, there is now a car with his rear tires on top of uh, the tire barrier 
similar to Tony Stewart at Sonoma a few years back. So Xfinity Race has lots of collisions going on. We'll have to, you'll have to check the highlights after this, Josh. Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to have to because there's a whole lot going on. Look at this. We got five cars inside of a second of each other right now. Yeah, it's it's been a good race so far from the little bits caught. Um, and Harvick is making a push. Oh, is he? I didn't yeah, see him. He's up, oh, he's up to P he's up to P six right behind Kurt or right behind oh, Kyle. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm changing my lock to the four. No, I'm just let's let's go, Harvick. <laughs> um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the five this week. I was really surprised that the nine was more expensive. I expected Larson to be the most expensive guy. He's won the most recent road course. He's been really good. I mean, he was in position to win at Pocono on Saturday until he blew a tire in the last corner. He finished second on Sunday with good fuel strategy. So it just feels like that team is just clicking right now. They, it's hard for them to do poorly. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going with the five. You're going with the 18. Now I want to play a fun little game that I just thought of uh, before the pod called Price Swap. And the idea behind this game is that we each take a turn picking two drivers that we think basically have the wrong price. They should have each other's prices. Uh, so like I just mentioned, I was surprised the nine was more expensive than the five. In my opinion, a potential price swap would be swap the five and the nine. Um, we don't know qualifying yet, but that, that would be like a, a knee-jerk reaction um, to seeing the prices this week. Josh, do you have anyone that you think needs to swap positions or swap prices with anyone else? Uh, so the five and the nine is the one that jumped right out to me. Um, but I'm going a little bit further down with this. I think that they're, um, I would like to see the 34 and the eight prices changed. Interesting. Okay. I'd like, I'd like to see the eight at 77 and the 34 at 72. Is that Um, based on practice you think, or? I think, yeah, I think practice is factoring into that a lot. I think if I hadn't seen what the practice speeds were looking like, because um, McDowell is all the way down in 23rd, and Reddick was 5th. Yeah. Um, but in general, you know, McDowell is one of those guys that I maybe want to consider when we get to road courses, but he's, I'm, ah, it's almost ju- he's almost just super speedway only. Um, and it just feels like Reddick's been having a better season than him. I mean, McDowell has a win, and he's averaging two points less per race. Yeah. for fantasy than the eight is. So I think the eight should should be up a little bit higher than the thirty four at this point. It, it, it worst case you're swapping a Chevy for a Ford, so I, I can't disagree with that part of it. Um I'm gonna do something a little different. I'm gonna swap a Ford for a Toyota and I'm gonna swap the four for the twenty. I think the four at eleven thousand is too expensive. I think the twenty at nine thousand is too cheap. Um that's backed up by the fact that the practice speeds showed well um, for Christopher Bell. He's eighth. Uh, Kevin Harvick, on the other hand, down in 17th, which isn't a ton worse, but um, we, we just haven't seen Kevin Harvick really do a lot on road courses, I feel like. And Christopher Bell already has a road course win this season, so he's kind of proven he knows how to handle road courses. I'd swap the 20 and the, the four. It's a big price gap of 2,000, um, but I think it's worthy of... Uh, swap and i think the way we'll judge these is that we'll say whoever has the better value um 
at the higher price point. So if we imagine that they were the, they did swap prices and the value is better, um, then I, I would say it's a correct pick, if that makes sense. So first time trying it. We'll see how it goes. If we hate it, we can just never do it again, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So talked a little bit about pricing, but uh, Josh, do you have a buy low candidate for this week? Is there anybody you're really eyeing in the, on the under 9,000 range uh, that you like? Well, I know you were really hoping for Bell to be at 8, 9. He was at 9, exactly, which is unfortunate for my, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I probably would have gone up a little bit high in pricing to uh, to start this, but I'm really man. So this is a uh, this one sucks, Crumb. <laughs> um, I'm gonna be very interesting to see how they qualify. Yeah, I'm, I'm really tempted to take the one. Yeah, after his but, practice needs. Yeah, but he's all the way up at eighty five hundred. Pretty pricey, yeah. Um, I also like the fourteen, yep. just because of what how he looked in practice, and I don't think he's going to qualify inside the top fifteen, regardless of that speed. But I'm going to go pretty deep here to find value. I'm intrigued, and I'm going to go with the twenty three of Bubble Wallace. Wow. I feel like he has found something, even if that something is just a little extra confidence in himself in the car. Yeah. Um, that he is going to be able to continue to, to string things along. And we don't know what 2311 is going to look like next year, but maybe he's, maybe he's trying to say that regardless of, whatever second driver you may or may not add, I'm going to be the top dog of this team. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say he's the rumor is they're going to add a second team. And my thought is that it could potentially be Kurt Busch to give a sort of veteran presence to that team. The fact that, you know, he's a Ganassi now, which just got bought. I I can see it all making sense uh, from my perspective, but yeah. Interesting. I don't hate it. I mean, the, the best thing going for Bubba Wallace is the fact that he's only 4.2 thousand. I mean, that's really, really low pricing. He's the, he's the first guy, if I'm looking at pricing, he's the lowest priced guy that I would consider capable of a top 15, honestly. Yeah, and in practice today, he was faster than Truex. He was faster than Logano. He was faster than Keselowski. Faster than Stenhouse. Faster, faster than McDowell, who we just yeah. talked about. Yep. Just yeah. behind Kevin Harvick. Right. You know, if you're if you're looking at top eighteen speeds in practice and you're only eighteen of only forty two hundred, you're probably gonna show value. It's definitely a deal. I will I can't can't fault you there. Um, yeah, so yeah. all of this all of this is definitely a grain of salt and we gotta remember too with a lower lap count. After we get through qualifying, that place differential is going to be really, really important this week. Yeah. Uh, and one, uh, I agree with you completely. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is that this track, as I mentioned, very technical, a lot of corners. It's very long. It's going to be really easy for guys to screw up their qualifying lap. So if you see somebody who had a great lap in practice 
that doesn't qualify well, that might be a prime candidate to, you know, make, make it work in your favor. No driver ran 10 consecutive laps during practice either. Where are you seeing that stat? Right at the bottom of the sheet. Because usually on this uh, practice sheet, they give you the best 10 consecutive lap average and not a single driver ran 10 consecutive. Oh, wait, where are you looking? I'm curious. I am looking at the NASCAR Cup Series final practice um, officials officially provided by NASCAR statistics. So I have it pulled out. Um, I got it through J-Ski. Okay. Should have known J-Ski was the place to go. Yeah, on his homepage, I, if you click in the middle of the page on practice results, it brings up the official NASCAR sheet. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying now. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at basically a cropped image of this exact thing that didn't show that very bottom part about the 10-lap average. So, <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Um, couldn't leave that in the image. That would be too much information. Yeah, seriously. I, I'm going to go the route that you... Decided not to. I'm going to go for the expensive buy low. And I'm going to go with Kurt Busch. I'm just going to trust the practice time. He did really well at Sonoma. I think even if he qualifies well, I think he'll finish well. Sort of one of those, like, just steady guys that if he qualifies and finishes top five, that's totally fine. He's only, was it, 8.5,000. Yeah. Um, I think Kendrick and Almendinger are in the running for that same boat. The issue with them is they're, you know, not an every week team. They, you know, that typically leads to potentially more mistakes. Um, you know, somebody like Almendinger, he's there to win. He's not there to make sure he gets a solid top five, although I'm sure he would like that. Um, so he, he might take more risks. The, the pit crew isn't, you know, might be the Xfinity crew, which, by the way, just got a penalty in one of the pit stops recently in the Xfinity race. So to me... I like Kurt Busch out of those three the most. Um, I don't hate Michael McDowell just because he is a solid road racer. I think he can get you a top 15. Um, but to your point, somebody like uh, Bubba Wallace is uh, ch- much cheaper and running similar speeds in practice. So I don't hate yours at all. Uh, but I'm going to go with Kurt Busch. I'm going to go for the high end. Um, I just think he's going to have a good day tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, he, is, he was in my running, so how can I possibly hate that? Yeah, Harv- Harvick's up to P3 now. Ooh. A tenth of a second off the leader. Man, they're running tight in this race right now. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to get it on. Um, all right, so moving on from by low, let's do some number crunching. Uh, Josh, I think we should look at uh, the 17 for you. I think that's that's what you're interested in. Who around the 17 might you take above or below? Yeah, so, that sounds good because he's a guy that I've liked all season. But yeah, and so I have to start with saying the 17 or the one. <laughs> oh, it's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I, the price, price be damn, it's the one. Yeah, I had to make sure you're, we were on the same page there. I figured we were, but I wanted to check. Um, okay, so one over the 17. And now, same team, but a little more risky, the 42. 42 or the 17. Oh, man. A little tougher. <laughs> it really is. Um, 
So I think I'm going to, you know, take the, the coward's way out of this and say that I like the 42 in tournament, but the 17 for cash. Um, I think the 42 is going to qualify better. I think he's going to also finish better. Um, but he has to finish. Yeah. And that's the problem. Um, Let's see. Chastain was the 13th fastest. Yeah, he showed a decent speed. Practice today. And... Busher was 21st. So... They're both pretty quick. Um, If they both qualify 15 to 20, then I think... I think I like the 42 with more upside. Sure. Um, yeah, let's for the sake of number crunches, let's let's say the forty-two over the seventeen. All right, Ganassi, as soon to be known as Trackhouse, over the seventeen. Um, let's see here. Seventeen or the fourteen. Chase Briscoe. A little cheaper. All right, so in a vacuum here, I like the 17. However, uh, Briscoe has been, correct me if I'm wrong here, he's been more active on the Xfinity series as of late mm-hmm. than Busher. And the right. Xfinity series has been running Road America. Yeah. Think that's reflected in some of these practice times because you're seeing Kyle Bush, Austin Sindrick, Tyler Reddick, AJ Allmendinger, Chase Briscoe, even Cole Custer. You're seeing a lot of those guys up with some of the faster lap times, and I'm I would say that that has a direct correlation to being more familiar with the track. Yeah. And the fact that I can save $900 by going down to Briscoe, I'm happy to take the 14 over the 17 there. Okay. Um, let's see. You mentioned him. So 17 or 41. Uh, so there, I'm going to go with the 17. I don't think the 41 is quite as good on the road courses as the 14. Um, so even though I'm saving a little bit more money, I I think you you can see a, I think you could see a 10-place differential between the 14 and the 41, and the 17 will be between them. So I'll take the 17 there. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with most of that. Um... I might put Busher over Chase Briscoe only because I would be worried that Chase Briscoe is going to qualify, out qualify what he can do on the race. Um, that's kind of very speculative, but um, obviously we'll, we'll we'll update these after qualifying. We'll uh, we'll move these numbers around if we feel like they are different than what we uh, initially anticipated. Um, so you'll get you'll get a more updated view. Follow us, iRace We Gamble on Twitter. That's where we'll update you. Um, so yeah, but I, for the most part, I do agree with your uh, your assessments there. 
All right. Is that all you got for me? It is. All right. Well, let's talk about a road course specialist for you. Okay. Let's let's focus on Almendinger, the 16. Dinger. And I think you know exactly where I'm going to start. I bet I can guess. The other road course specialist. Yeah. The 33 Asyndrick. Yeah, he um he showed how strong he was at uh Coda. He re- he really ran well there. Um rain or no rain either way. In qualifying he was strong without the rain and in the rain in the race he did pretty well. Um man, this is actually tougher than I realized. I, I was gonna just jump immediately to Dinger, the old AJ. Uh, but the more I think about it, the more I kind of like the fact that Cindric is on the Penske team, which is a more established cup team. So I, I think I'll take a 33. I'm, I don't, I'm not as confident about that. They're, they're a one, a one B type situation. If, if they were the one, um, but yeah, I, I'll go 33 over 60. Okay. Um, just for my curiosity. Yeah. Where would you be if we were at Watkins this weekend with those two? Um, I would like Cindric even more. Really? Well, to be, I, I, I say that because I know Cindric has always done pretty well there. But to be fair, so is Almendinger. He has a cup win there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that makes it a little more tricky, I guess, now that I think about it harder. I think, I think Almendinger won the first year I went there. No, that must have been the year before we went. I would have really? remembered that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a good race to the finish for sure. Um, worth, a, worth a look up on YouTube if you're ever curious. Um, man, yeah. Uh, you know what? Watkins Glen, we'll go, we'll go on a dinger for Watkins Glen. But subject to changing my mind before we get there. And it's uh, Road America this weekend. So shut up, yeah. Josh, and ask me about the track we're on. <laughs> no, I like it. Um, all right, let's go the exact other direction. Okay. And let's do the 16 or the 20. Gotta go 20. Gotta go 20. He's, he's priced too low. He should be higher. He did pretty well in practice. He's got a road course win this season. 20 over 16. Or, yeah, 20 over 16. Okay. All right. Uh, Crum Almendinger won in 2014. Yeah, and I think I think my first year was fifteen. It was either fifteen or sixteen. I can't remember which. I think it was fifteen. Yeah, because there was. Yeah, I was at both of the Cheez-Its. I missed the I Love New York three fifty-five. Gotcha. And then I was there for the Go Bowlings. (laughs) The back-to-back Chase Elliott. Right, now anyway, now play. my Watkins digression is done. So you love the 20. I do. I really do. I don't even know if he made it into one of my lineups, but I'm strongly concerned. I'm sort of maybe, maybe qualifying will tell me more. All right. How about the 16 or the 8? Mm. 8 is cheaper by a decent amount. 7.2 compared to 8.9. Um, but I just, I trust AJ's road course ability. It's worth pointing out. I, I know I mentioned he had that road, uh, pit road penalty from his team. He went back to 30th. He's already back up to 6th. 
So he's having a good Xfinity race. He certainly knows how to drive this course. Um, so I'll, I'll take 16 over the eight. Okay. And let's do the 16 or the 24. Ooh, this is actually quite tricky. Huh. Um, I trust the 24 more. I'll put it that way. Um, but he is a decent amount more expensive, 11.2 compared to 8.9, so over two grand more expensive. Uh, I think give me, give me, give, give me the 24. It, you can't bet against Hendrick. Um, I, I just think that's a too much of an established team. They've shown a lot of strength lately. They were strong at Pocono. They looked, I think, pretty decent, um, even though they weren't in the top three at Sonoma. Just got involved in the, some late incidents, but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take twenty four. Um, but it's not obvious. It's it's close based on price, basically. Yeah, I would agree with that. I was hoping I went high enough into the price to get you to balk at Hendrick, but no, it's it's close though. It's it really is. All right, so... all right. I got nothing else for you. Yeah. It's it's time to look at lineups. Um, I don't know who who should go first, Josh. You tell me. Uh, why don't you start us off? Start us off with your tourney, because I'm guessing you didn't do a cash yet. I I did just at the start of this podcast, basically. Obviously, like we've mentioned, this is all subject to change based on qualifying. But I I do like both my lineups so far. And make um, sure your fifty fifty fills. Yeah. I, <laughs> That's I, the goal is after qualifying to check my lineups because I, you know, might want to make adjustments and therefore can check if my 50 50 is full. Um, so hopefully that saves me. Um, but I think I got to start my lineup with both of our locks, the five and the 18. Um, they've just been too strong lately. Kyle Larson has been great. Kyle Bush is coming on strong. Feels like they have the most speed of the non Hendrick drivers in general. Um, you know, I know we saw uh, Truex be the best car outside of Hendrick at Sonoma, but I think that's a Sonoma-specific kind of thing. Um, he's had success at Watkins Glen, sure, but Kyle Busch is also very strong in the road courses. Um, so I'm going to go 518 to start. Then I'm going to start dipping into uh, the value pricing, which this is where I might change things based on what we just did in number crutchers. Because right now, I have Almondinger in the 16, but I could very easily see myself changing to Bell based on the practice times. Um, and it's to be fair, I did create this lineup before the practice times. So this was after the prices came out. Um, but ultimately, I might as well just wait until qualifying to make any changes. So I've got the 16 of Almondinger. I've got the 34 of McDowell and the 99 of Suarez. So it leaves me with 600 budget remaining. I think that's a lot of upside um, just based on how they all run road courses. And the fact that I have the 5 and the 18 in my lineup makes me feel pretty confident. I like it. What about you? I like it a lot. All right. So for my tournament, I... When I so I went a little bit different and I started with the nine in the 18. Okay, um, I'm just you know, 
Chase Elliott on a road course, put Chase Elliott in your lineup. Hard to hard to disagree. Feel a little bad I don't have him. Then I have the 33 of Cindric. Okay. I think he I mean, I gotta get some eyes on the actual race, but he's opening up a one second lead now with ten to go. Um so we'll see. See if he uh wants to take a, a an Xfinity win and a cup top five home from the weekend and that would be fantastic. Oh he would take that hundred percent. Then I'm going with the forty two. Okay. Um keeping him in. He's been yeah, I mean he's just been generally strong this year and he's looked really good on the road courses. Um and I'm hoping that you know the troubles of last weekend will keep some people off of him. Yeah, um, I know he became a super popular pick for Sunday. And I hope, I think in, I want to say he had a 78% start rate. Wow. Because of how good he looked on Saturday and then starting 37th or something like that on Sunday. Yeah. And without the price change, he was everywhere in lineups. So I'm I mean, hoping a lot of people have a bitter taste in their mouth and stay away from him this week. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely an upside play, and that's what you're looking for in tournaments, so I, I like that. And then I'm rounding it out with the 99 of Suarez. Yeah. Who we haven't really talked about much today, but he's also just looked good this year, and he's been driving really well on the road courses. Yep. And he's in a Chevy. <laughs> Always important. Um, I, think, I think he's probably yeah, got a lot of positive energy about the fact that, you know, he's now, his team is, you know, moving up in the world too, right? Yeah, it's not just him anymore. Yeah. Um, so what do I have? Three, three Chevys and two Toyotas. Sounds about right. I think that's going to work out just fine because the, the Fords are struggling this year. Yeah, I've I've got one Ford in my lineup with 34. Um, His practice wasn't as good as I hoped, so if he qualifies really poorly, uh, it's going to be tough. His qualifying lap has to... He has to start, like, top 25, but, like, obviously made a big mistake on his qualifying lap. That would make me feel comfortable starting the 34. Um, I guess it's important to note that if I want to swap the 16... For the 33 and the five for the nine, I can do that. Um, but it barely fits in my budget. So that's something I can play with as well based on qualifying. Yeah, but, that's nice. Nice to have a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah, especially knowing that things can change tomorrow. Um, looking at cash, though, again, starting with the five and the 18, I don't know how you can go wrong there right now. Um, I mean, obviously, if they have if they blow a tire in the last corner, that's one way to go wrong. But I don't expect that to happen again. Um, so give me the five and the eighteen again, and then I did this lineup much more based on practice and what we saw there. So I've got the eight of Tyler Reddick, who was fifth fastest. I've got the fourteen of Chase Briscoe, who was tenth fastest. Really good value at six point four, as you've talked about. Um, and then Kurt Busch in the one at eight point five. Um, Fastest in practice. Hard to overlook, you know, how strong that team has come on here the past few races. I think those are all solid floor plays that should get me into the top half and give me my 
four bucks back out of my $5 entry for a 50, 50. So that's what I'm going with. Um, I do have 1400 budget left over. So even more flexibility in that lineup. If I need to change anything, we've already talked about the five and the nine. Uh, if Kyle Bush qualifies second or first, maybe it's a good idea to fade him since place differential is so important. I might move to the 11, for example. Uh, so those are just some ideas floating in my head, but uh, Josh, what do you, what do you got for cash this week? All right, so my cash lineup is currently being altered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. All right, so I just came across the tweet with a statistic that makes me able to put a lineup together that I am really, really into. Um, this may end up actually being my this might end up being a tournament lineup for me too now at this point all right so i'm gonna give you the lineup first okay five and 18 well chosen the 24 of byron Ooh, got that second hendrick driver gotta get my second hendrix so before i saw this stat the 24 was the 48 interesting okay but i was able to get up to the 24 I also have the 16 of Almondinger. Agreed. So I am down to 3,400 left on budget. Can I, take a, can I guess? Sure. Um, Don't think you'll get it right. I'm going to go Justin Haley. That is, that is not Justin Haley. Ty Dillon? It is not Ty Dillon. Crash Botha? Crash Botha? Nope. Who is it? Josh Balicki. Oh, interesting. Josh, Josh Balicki in the 52 for 2,500 to round out the lineup. How much do you have left over in that lineup? 900. Okay, so you could, you could upgrade the 5 to the 9. You could upgrade the 16 to the 33. You've got some wiggle room as well. I could upgrade the 24 to the 11, who we haven't sure. talked about really at all today, but I really, really do like Denny this weekend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've definitely got a little bit of wiggle room and you know, I could do something like I could drop the sixteen down to the one. True. And I actually let's see if this works. If I drop the sixteen down to the one That should free up four hundred. That makes it it doesn't yeah, that doesn't do enough of what I wanted it to do. I thought there was a chance that I could get up to Truex. Ah, okay. But it's not... I, not I think that, I mean, that really Denny is more important. I think, like, yeah, Truex might have a good day, but I think Denny's a safer play. Yeah, I would agree. And in a cash lineup, that's what we're really looking for. 100%. Alright, so here's the stat that I found. Cup drivers with the most Xfinity Series experience at Road America over the past decade okay. in, in Sunday's field. Balicki and Chastain, five races. Sindrick and McDowell, four races. Hmm. Almondinger, Bell, Custer, Davison, DiBenedetto, and Ty Dillon, three each. 
Busher, Briscoe, Austin Dillon, Elliot, and Haley with two each. Interesting. So yeah. okay. in order to in order to have such a top heavy lineup and round it out with the guy with the most experience on this track out of anybody in mm. the field, I am fine with that. And for a fifty fifty, if he gets me you know, if he finishes twenty fifth and starts thirty second, he's gonna it's gonna be enough. Yeah, that's that's plenty of value for what you're looking for out of that team. Uh top twenty five would be big. And honestly, that could happen. I think one thing we haven't really talked about is the fact that at Road America as I, I have talked about how technical it is, but we haven't talked about how much attrition there might be with all these different race cars with potential crashes. We, I mean, as we've been doing the podcast and I've kind of kept an eye on the Xfinity race, I've seen a number of different spins and crashes and penalties and things, and it's not the easiest place to pass. So you could very much see some of those bottom feeders, I guess I'll say, uh, make their way up into a much better position than we normally see uh, if they just sort of keep their race clean and, and survive. So I, I don't hate that at all. I think uh, that's a good way to run your cash lineup is just to have some really, really good plays and then just get somebody who has a, a good enough floor to get you there. Yeah, so that's what I'm throwing in for cash. Um, just a couple other drivers of note who have never raced here. Keselowski, Hamlin, Logano, Truex. Harvick and Kyle Busch with an asterisk because they're racing on the on the track right now. Yeah, there's a and, lot and, of guys who have never seen this track. Yeah, I, I think so. To to explain that, oh my god, the, the end of the Xfinity race is absolutely insane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but to explain that, I, I think the reason is because typically when guys run Xfinity races they're running them when the cup series is at the same track. And so it almost is like a second practice. It, it gives them an opportunity to feel out if the track has changed in any particular way, um, that kind of stuff. Um, so you don't see a lot of cup guys, like at least full-time cup guys race here often. A lot of the names you listed are guys that have been running more Xfinity than cup. Um, so I, I understand why that's happening for sure. And yep. um, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely interesting to point out. I, it's, Man, is it a difficult track to drive. Um, I, it's, it's hard to describe how much finesse it takes to get around this place. And I'm seeing how difficult it is by the number of cars that are just absolutely wiping out trying to you know, get to that edge. Um, so, yeah, really curious to see how the race goes. Uh, anything, anything else you want to cover uh, at Road America this 4th of July weekend? I don't think so. I just... Uh... We're going to have our eye on qualifying, and if you can't have an eye on qualifying, then have an eye on our Twitter handle, iRaceWeGamble. Yeah, yeah. I will say you did forget one thing. Oh, well, you didn't try to sign off yet, so I didn't get a chance to interrupt you. Well, that was my, like, do you have anything else uh, comment? That's what I was going for. Oh, so you're trying to get ahead of me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. (laughs) 90 partly cloudy 4% chance of rain. We're going to have a quick, slick road course, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's that uh, hot track summer. Fireworks, Crumb. Fireworks. I'm excited. 
Can't wait to see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. See ya.